we got to, in our notes, we got to the section there uh, of purposes of baptism. That was the header there, the purposes of baptism. And last week we looked at it's for believers only. This is not something for non-believers. It is for believers only, and it's it's why it's called believer's baptism. You must be a believer in order to be baptized. It's for, uh, so obviously it's after salvation. It wouldn't be before. Um, So once someone comes to faith, then they should be baptized. And we're going to continue with that. But I'll give a thought. So it's interesting questions we have about baptism uh, and, and sometimes I've heard people who, who've wanted to, they, they made a profession of faith and they need to be baptized, but they were like, well, I want to wait till my kids get saved and we do it together. Understand that th- th- your, your baptism is not about anybody but you. It is a personal thing. It is your public profession. You're identifying with Christ. And so there's no reason to, to wait for anybody else if 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 three family members all got saved the same week, that'd be fantastic to baptize them together. But it wouldn't be worth waiting. You, you shouldn't wait. It would be more special that way. Well, you can do it together. That's great. But that shouldn't be why we do it. And, and, and so I've had questions, you know, in the past I had questions like, um, you know, can so-and-so be baptized with me? And they've been baptized, but can they be baptized with me kind of so I don't have to be up there by myself? And I'm like, no, I'm not, not going to do that. That's not what this is about. And I don't baptize just to make you feel good. You know, this is, if you want to be baptized in obedience to what God has told you to do, that's why we get baptized as our public profession of faith, which was the second thing we looked at. So we talked about it's for believers only. We talked about it's a public profession of faith in Jesus Christ. It pictures the gospel message, and we talked about that. And then tonight we pick up with the next one, which is it symbolizes new life in Christ. And so I started this one. You probably already have that filled in, but it symbolizes new life in Christ. And we talked about baptism is not salvation. Okay, so again, it's believer's baptism. This isn't baptism. Baptism has zero to do with saving you. Understand that. Be very, very clear on that. It is, there is zero to do. It has everything to do with obedience. It has to do with being obedient with what God's told us to do. And then this public professing our faith, and it's a, you know, it's, it, it pictures our salvation, but it's a symbol, and it's, it's what we're, we, we, why we do this. And so the, the teaching that salvation is obtained through being baptized in water is called baptismal regeneration, and it's not a biblical doctrine. Okay, so there are t- some that believe that you must be baptized. And I'm going to tell you, that's a false teaching. And I, if you're going to tell me that that is your expression of faith, I still have a problem with that. I have a problem with that. And it, because now you're perverting, you're perverting the gospel. The gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Our faith is in what he did for us. It's not in a baptism. And if I now put my faith in being baptized or part of my faith in being baptized, I'm believing a false gospel. Does that make sense? It's the, it's the whole thing. Folks, it's very important what we believe. Is it not? What we believe is, is of the utmost importance. There are people who go, well, you just got to have faith. Well, you got to have faith in. Well, you just got to have faith. And it's almost like there's this, this faith in faith. Or it's the same thing of going, well, God is love. Well, God is love. 
Well, we know what that means today, and love wins. Love wins. You know what that means today in our culture? It just means a perversion. It means that sex is their God. And that's what that's, it's all about is, is, well, God is love. That's what the Bible says. And now they've turned love and perverted and said that. So basically, they should just come out and be honest and say, sex is our God. And that's what we worship. How we want to have sex or whatever we want to do, that's our God. That's what, they should just be honest and say that. And there are people that say, well, I believe in God, but I believe in God the way I want to believe in God. Well, it doesn't work that way. We, we, our faith has to be in the God of the Bible as He is revealed to us through the Scriptures. God has given us those. We can't... It's all, somebody was showing me something this, just this evening. And, and the top header, it, it was two different headers about the LGBT thing, but the top header said they, they want to rewrite, they want to re- rewrite some Scriptures, retranslate some Scriptures. Well, I've told you all about the Queen James Bible where they changed about eight, eight scriptures to soften the teaching on homosexuality. Well, if homosexuality, if God's okay with it, why do you have to change verses to say it's not okay? I mean, that's basically, you've just admitted that. Um, if you require anything, you've now added something to salvation. You've added something to the gospel, and you've perverted the gospel, and now it's not, I don't believe it's a saving gospel. And I shared with you all last week the, the, the whole um, bearded duck people, you know, and, and their belief. And I've heard them. I've heard the teaching from their pastor about baptismal regeneration. You're saved by your baptism. You must be baptized to be saved. So you could have faith, and if you don't go up and get baptized, they, they teach that you're not, you're not saved. You have to, that is, that's the mechanism of salvation. That's a false gospel. So we have to be, I say all that to say this, you got to be careful who you listen to. Years ago, when those guys came out, it concerned me because they were not Southern Baptists. They were not Baptist. And the Southern Baptists just embraced them, had them come into events and speaking at events. I got a problem with that. I'm not going to put somebody in this pulpit who does not believe as we believe. If their belief in the Scriptures is perverted, they're not going to speak in this, in this pulpit. Now, I may have somebody that speaks and they say something that's off base or whatever. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to correct it. If somebody that I had confidence in came up and they said something that was off, then I'm going to correct that. I might correct right there in front of them. If it gets bad enough, I'm going to stop them mid-sentence. So it's important. What we believe is very important. And we, the Scriptures are very clear. Baptism, or, or let me get ahead of myself. I'll come back to this. All right, so we don't believe in baptismal regeneration. It is beyond the scope of this lesson to repudiate baptismal regeneration in detail, but we must at least mention it and refute it because many Christian traditions proclaim it as a Bible truth, and it is not. How someone saved... What was that? Heard it over here. We're saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, right? Baptism in there anywhere? Okay. So you don't even have to go deep into explaining this other than if we're not saved by grace, through faith, in the Lord Jesus Christ only, if we add anything to that, we've perverted the gospel. Okay. So... That's, you know, when you, when you want to look at anything, you go back to, uh, instead of arguing against baptismal regeneration, 20 points on why it's not accurate, all you got to say is, 
How is someone scripturally, how does the Bible teach we are born again? Everything you would say about that is counter to what the scriptures teach about salvation. That simple. Baptism is a symbolic rite that portrays the change that happens in the sinner at the time of salvation, which takes place before water baptism. In salvation, the sinner is reckoned dead, crucified with Christ, and the new believers made alive unto God, Romans 6, 11. Uh, this is expressed by the New Testament concept of spiritual baptism or Holy Spirit baptism. The moment we are saved, we are baptized into the body of Christ by the Holy Spirit. Okay? 1 Corinthians 12, 13 makes this very clear. For by one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. That statement is a biblical expression of salvation. The believer is then, after salvation, baptized in water to picture the salvation he already has, not to get salvation. Acts 19.5 gives another New Testament example of this. When they heard this, the example being they believed the gospel message, when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So when they believed, then they were baptized. And say when when they were convicted or whatever, then they got baptized and they were born again. Nowhere do you find anything in Scripture that would indicate that. We are born again and then we go get baptized. These new believers in Jesus Christ already saved identified with their new life in Christ by water baptism. And I think I shared this last week. You know, one of the things as you look at the New Testament, I, I, I haven't studied this fully out, but one of the things you see in that New Testament time, when people got saved, their desire, even more than what I see today, man, they wanted to make it known. So immediately, immediately they, they were getting baptized. That's what they, the church was already, the church was knowing this is what we're to do. But they wanted to express it. I'm born again. They didn't want to shy away from that. They wanted to be seen as a believer. They wanted to be, count with the, be counted with those believers. Now think about the, uh, the Ethiopian eunuch, right? So you think about the Ethiopian eunuch. He had come and he seemed to be what we might call a seeker. He was looking, he was watching. Well, think about what he saw as he's there in Jerusalem and and, and Pentecost and these people are getting saved. What are they doing? They get saved and then they get baptized. He doesn't know. He's watching this and and he's seeing all these people who are getting baptized and they're they're praising the Lord. They're they're now, you know, they're celebrating their, their, their life in Christ, their new life in Christ. And he sees that. And you, you get a, a hint of this in that story because he, he, he says as they're going through the scriptures and Jesus is being preached and he's coming to this place. You, you can, you can if you read it in color, you, you, you almost feel the Holy Spirit conviction in his life. And you, you just feel him going, I need to be saved. And what does he say? Here's some water. What prohibits me from being baptized? So in his mind, that's how you get saved. What was the answer? If you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, then you could be baptized. He gave his heart to Christ. He was born again. They got down and got in the water and he got baptized as his proclamation of his salvation, his public profession of his salvation, not to be saved. So just give some, some clarity on that. Um, 
We, we emphasize again that saving faith is always experienced before baptism. And there's several scriptures. That, I, that, those are in your, in your notes, right? Acts 8, 12, 35 through 39, 9, 17. Not the whole thing, but just the reference. They're, they're there, right? Under symbols of new life in Christ, those verses there. Yes? Okay, thank you. I will make sure because I, I was hoping, and you can go back and reference those, those verses. Um, although God commands and requires water baptism for every Christian, water baptism itself does not save a person. Make that very clear. All right, so proper mode of baptism. Does it really matter how a believer is baptized? Does it matter if someone is sprinkled? Does it matter if, they, you know, if they're christened? Do those things matter? So what does the Bible say and should it be taken literally? Baptists believe the Bible teaches only immersion is the correct mode. We recount several reasons why we believe this. First one here is the definition of, of uh, New Testament baptizo. The word baptizo. So first, the New Testament Greek word translated baptism is the word baptizo, and it literally means immersion. Okay? Thayer's Greek-English lexicon of the New Testament technically defines it as to dip repeatedly, to immerse, to submerge, uh, and it speaks of like a vessel's sunk, so a ship that's sunk. It would, it would be a, by an immersion. So it's underwater. It's going underwater. I heard, and, and I, I didn't find this when I was, I was looking, but I'd heard in the past that the word almost carries an idea of pickling. Okay? So when you make, when you make pickles, you put, what do you put in the jar? What's the, well, I mean, what's the, what becomes a pickle? Put a cucumber in there, right? So you don't take the cucumber and just, you don't just, you don't just pour a little water on it or a little whatever the solution. You don't pour it, just pour something on there, do you? You pickle it. You put it under. You immerse it. It's totally immersed in there. And that's the idea here of, of baptism. The word baptizo is immersion. It is completely going under. Actually, the word baptism in our English Bibles is a... And y'all, some of you... Raise your hand if you don't know what this word is. Transliteration. If you don't know what that word is. Okay, so transliteration is this. It's, the Greek word is baptizo. What we do is we, that word baptizo is not really translated into the scriptures. It's transliterated, which means it's just given an English spelling. Baptizo. B-A-P-T-I-S-M. It's just basically given an English spelling for the same word. Give me an example of another word that we transliterate a lot in scripture. I don't think that's in there, but I, I don't think the word rapture is in the scriptures, but if it is, you show me. The word that's used. It's in King James, okay. It's a word that's used. It's in there. I'm wrong. Forget that. I thought, I thought, is that, I'm, I'm running through my head. You're messing me up, man. I'm going, I don't think that word's in there. Um, no, there is a, there's a word that we would use. We actually have some of these in our church. Come on, somebody. Somebody knows. Deacon. Who said that? Good job. So what's the word that we transliterate from? Diakonos. So diakonos, the meaning of that word is to serve or servant or minister, to minister, 
that, that's the meaning of that word, diakonos. We don't, it, and it is translated that way in some places, but other places when it's talking about deacons, servants, it's just transliterated. It's just given the English spelling. It's not fully translated, so there's multiple uses there. And then the word rapturo, rapturo. <laughs> That's the Mexican dance. I love it, Jason. It's good, man. It, it, it's good. Sally's trying to teach me the quiet game. So. <laughs> it came in my head. It had to come out my mouth. All right. No, that's good. It's not hard. Good. It's good, man. Um, so it's transliterated. And that, again, that just means that it's given an English spelling for the word. So the word baptizo, which means to immerse or to dip under, it's not, it's not translated there. It's, it's transliterated. It's given the word baptize. So yet if, if it were translated in English, it would be rendered, as stated above, to dip, submerge, or immerse. Other Greek words, now, now listen to this. Other Greek words mean to sprinkle and to pour. Okay, so you could pour over. There's other Greek words that mean that. Baptizo does not mean that. It means immersion. So if God wanted to say that the mode of baptism was sprinkle, maybe he would use the word for sprinkle because there was actually a word for sprinkle. Anybody think he might would have done that? I think he would do that if that was his intention, right? We're talking about the Holy Spirit of God who doesn't make mistakes in what he communicates to us. So when the Holy Spirit of God inspired the, the author to write the word baptizo, he didn't mean the word for sprinkle or the word for pour. He meant for the word immerse, baptizo. And so um, it's pretty clear that that's not the mode of, of, of how it's to be done. Therefore, if we are people of the book, as we say we are as Baptists, then we will naturally follow the unmistakable New Testament use of the word. Proper meaning of the act. Let's talk about that. What's the proper meaning of the act of baptism? Second, as we look at this, Baptists uh, Baptist immerse for believers' baptism because of the meaning of the act of baptism. We call that Romans 6, verses 3 and 4 makes clear the believer's identification with Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. It's a very important part of what baptism is about. It's... And it's identifying with Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. So baptism by immersion unquestionably pictures the death, and that's the person in the upright position. Usually we would almost have them stand like this. The burial, the person immersed under the water, and the resurrection, the person coming up from the water. Sprinkling and pouring simply do not carry that same picture. It does not. So when we, when we and I, I've said this several times, when we have a baptism, we open the service with a baptism, you're getting the gospel right there. First, we ought to be praising God because first thing we're seeing, we're seeing the testimony of a new life. We're seeing a public profession of someone whose life has been changed by Christ and we're seeing a picture of the gospel, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Emma, Emma Dale is going to be baptized Sunday morning. You're going to preach Sunday morning. <laughs> Didn't know that, did you? But you're going to preach. When you get up there, you're testifying to what God has done in your life. And it is through His death burial and resurrection that you have new life and you're going to preach that you're going to preach that in identifying with Christ through baptism um, sprinkling pouring just do not carry that picture um, content 
I'm sorry, context. Context of many scriptures. So there's a lot of scriptures you can look at. John, and we're going to look at all of these three here. The Matthew 3.16, John 3.23, Acts 8.30. When water is mentioned in conjunction with baptism, it always carries the connotation of large amounts of it. Um, so Matthew 3.16, when he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold... The heavens were open to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. Now, we understand John went down to the Jordan to baptize. We don't, we, we've got a pretty good idea of where that probably was. It's not where we went. Uh, I think it was much further south. Uh, but there was a lot of water. And as we understand it, in those days, there was probably a lot more water than there is now. If John wanted to just sprinkle... Did he need to go off to the desert down by the river to baptize? He didn't need that. He could have found a little water in the city and had them come out and had his little pot there and have them come by and just pour it on their head or, or just, you know, whatever, whatever they want to do. Or he could have a bowl and just dunk their face in it like Nacho Libre did. Um, I hope that's not lost on y'all. Anybody know Nacho Libre? It's one of my favorite movies. Sadly. <laughs> you have not been baptized. <laughs> Just a quick dunk. There's a lot of water. It, it absolutely is. And if someone says that this is for the cleansing of sin, then they're wrong. Right? They're wrong. And it's also wrong if you baptize in the name of Jesus. It's important. It's prescribed. The scriptures give us a very clear prescription of how that's to be done. And we're to baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Not just in the name of Jesus. It's, Jesus said that. Baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Yeah, that, that's exactly right. Scott, if, uh, if you change, again, if you change that, uh, it's, it, the mode of that is very important. I would, I would probably, if someone told me they were baptized in the name of Jesus only, was wanting to join the church, and I mean, if they knew that, they remembered that, I would, I would probably want to rebaptize them. Because I would say it wasn't really an, an authentic, it wasn't prescribed the right way. Just like if someone came from a, a, another background and said, well, I believe very much in my baptism, I was, I was sprinkled. That's okay, but that's not, that's not the way we do that. And to be a member of the church, then that's part of being a Baptist, is doing it the way God said do it. Make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're going to say something, Brent? Yeah, I was just going to say that uh, John the Baptist, prior to Christ, that's what he was doing. He was, he was baptizing people in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Mm Well, there's a, yeah, there's a lot of, it's not, a, it's not just a Baptist thing. There's a lot of different, uh, d d different religions that would practice something on this line. Let's work through this and we'll get through the end and we'll have some other questions. Miss Jessie? 
So you said like the scripture said that? It was Yeah. Well, you see, you've seen, you've probably all seen pictures. They're, they'll have pictures where they go down in the water to hear and then he pours water on their head. Just, just that close. Well, I, I, I probably should have brought in uh, some of the notes from the class we teach for our membership class. We talk about denominational leaders who um, founding denominational leaders and very, very clear Luther, Calvin, all of them about immersion being the way of, of the mode of baptism. So going back to this, the context, John 3, 23, for John also was baptizing in uh, Anon near Salem because there was much water there. There was much water there because that's why he was baptizing there because there was much water there. If you're sprinkling on top of the head, you're pouring water on top of the head, you don't need a whole lot of water, right? Uh, and they came and were baptized, Acts 8, 39, uh, 39. Now when they came up out of the water, they came up, and it's not talking about coming up out of the, the like going into waist deep and sprinkling. It's talking about they were in the water, and he was baptized. When he came up out of the water, when the Lord was baptized, um, or, or here, when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away. So when they came up out of the water, Spirit took uh, Philip, and he was gone. So that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. Okay? So it's around a lot of water. So the context of this is not about sprinkling uh, or, or the christenings or any of those things. Baptism by immersion may be more difficult to perform and is often more inconvenient for various reasons, but is the only mode of baptism sanctioned by Scripture. In fact, the New Testament demonstrably shows that immersion was the uh, invariable practice of the early church. Church history also demonstrates that Christians continue to practice immersion almost universally until about A.D. 250, when other modes were introduced into the professing church. These other modes for baptism were initially instituted as a more convenient means of administering baptism to the sick and dying. Now I can understand, you can kind of understand the heart of that. I'm just saying you can understand the heart of that. You can understand, oh, well, you know, this person, they, it would be hard to get them into the river to baptize. Well, let's carry them in. There, there, there would be situations someone, where someone might not be able to, to, to physically be baptized or immersed in water. So they began to do these things, these alternate methods of baptism out of convenience sake. Sprinkling and pouring soon became available for matters of convenience and then became standard in many parts of the professing church when the, when the unbiblical practice of infant baptism began to take hold. However, historical evidence indicates that some Christian groups who many would call Baptist forerunners continue to practice believers' baptism by immersion only. Uh, the pertinent question we, we must ask is this. Is convenience... Or scripture, the correct authority for which mode of baptism is practiced? Scriptures. scriptures. See, that's the same, isn't it the same thing we would deal with today? In the, it, people want to go back and go away from scripture. They, it, because it's, it's not convenient. Now, I don't mean convenient from a physical standpoint. I mean, today it's just not convenient for people to believe the Bible. 
because it doesn't fit what I want it to say. I want it to say that my sin is okay. I want it to say that God loves me in my, in my sin as a homosexual or, or, or in my adulterous lifestyle, God is okay with my sin or my drunkenness or my beating my kids. Well, maybe not that one, but that would be okay. I'm kidding. I have to be careful. I know this goes out and somebody goes, oh, he's already supporting. No, it's a joke. But that's, what, that's what's going on today. And we see it in churches. Churches are sliding. Uh, there was news today about stuff going on at, at a First Baptist. I've shared my heart about the whole First Baptist thing. Uh, one of the prominent First Baptist churches in, in our uh, Central Florida area, probably the biggest, it's on a moral slide. It's a moral slide. I mean, they've come out, associate pastors come out, um, I don't know, a year and a half ago, maybe, and publicly said, this is who we are. And we have, we have people that are cohabitating. We have people that are, are homosexual. We have people that are transgender. We have all these people. It wasn't that they were here. Listen, if, if someone in this congregation right now, now if you're a member and you're practicing, that's a problem. But if someone attends, I, if a homosexual came in our church and they come and they want to hear the scriptures, praise God, they're here. Amen? Understand that. If a homosexual come in here with, a, with an agenda and they're all over each other and they're just trying to... No, that's not going to be... That's not okay. It's not accepted. That's not going to be... But here's the thing. Attending the church is different from being a member of the church. But these... these they have embraced that these folks, they, they are in our church. They give to our church. They serve in our church. They're a part of our church. So they have fully embraced the sin of the world today. Oh, we're still a Bible-believing, Bible-teaching church. No, you're not. No, you're not. Well, I still didn't get finished. What the scriptures say is, is how we're going to practice. That's how we're going to practice. That's, and that's, that's beyond, listen, it's even beyond. If the Baptists go crazy, I just won't be a Baptist. I'll just be a New Testament Christian. Amen. Amen. That's all that matters. I, 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 I'm, I'm Baptist because I, I'm, I'm I associate people as, what are you? I'm a Christian. And I want to be a New Testament, Bible-believing, Bible-practicing believer. That's what I want to be. Now, as long as the Baptists stay right, then I'm a Baptist. But if Baptists slide and get off base, I don't care about that. Amen? Amen. All right. All right, so we'll, we'll... Still not finished. We will, we will almost finish that. But I got 10 minutes left, so here's what I, I want to get our prayer requests in before we, before we run out of time for that. Okay, so... Um, let me review some of our requests on here. Chris Crockett.